Part three of Tea Drinking in Eighteenth Century America by Rodris Roth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Pictures show male and female guests holding both cup and saucer, or just the cup. An English satirical print, The Old Maid, published in 1777, was the only illustration found that depicted an individual using a dish for tea, or to be exact, a saucer. In the 18th century, a dish of tea was in reality a cup of tea, for the word dish meant a cup or vessel used for drinking as well as a utensil to hold food at meals. A play on this word is evident in the following exchange reported by Philip Fithian between himself and Mrs. Carter, the mistress of Nomini Hall, one October forenoon in 1773. "'Shall I help you, Mr. Fithian, to a dish of coffee?' I choose a deep plate, if you please, ma'am, and milk. The above suggests that the practice of saucer-sipping, while it may have been common among the general public, was frowned upon by polite society. The fact that Americans preferred and were accustomed to eating everything hot further explains why tea generally was drunk from the cup instead of the saucer. According to Peter Calm, when the Englishwomen, that is, of English descent, drank tea, they never poured it out of the cup into the saucer to cool it, but drank it as hot as it came from the teapot. Later in the century, another naturalist, C. F. Volney, also noted that very hot tea was beloved by Americans of English descent. From this it would appear that dish of tea was an expression rather than a way of drinking tea in the eighteenth century. On the table a saucer seems always to have been placed under the cup, whether the cup was right side up or upside down. Teaspoons, when in use, might be placed on the saucer or left in the cups. The portrait titled Mrs. Combs, painted by G. Freymeyer in 1806, indicates that handling a cup with the spoon in it could be accomplished with a certain amount of grace. Teaspoons also were placed in a pile on the table, or in a silver boat for teaspoons, or, more often, in such ceramic containers as Delfware spoon trays, or blue and white or stenciled china spoon boats. Tongs were especially suited for lifting the lumps of sugar from their container to the teacup. During the 18th century, both arched and scissor-type tongs were used. Instead of points, the latter had dainty flat grips for holding a lump of sugar. The early arched tongs were round in section, as are the pair illustrated in Tea Party in the time of George I, while tongs made by arching or bending double a flat strip of silver date from the second half of the 18th century. These articles of tea equipage variously known as tongs, tea-tongs, silver tea-tongs, and sugar-tongs, were usually made of silver, though ivory and wooden tea-tongs were advertised in 1763. According to the prints and paintings of the period, tongs were placed in or near the sugar container. Teaspoons were also used for sugar, as illustrated in the painting Susanna Truax, Perhaps young Miss Truax is about to indulge in a custom favored by the Dutch population of Albany, as reported by Peter Calm in 1749. They never put sugar into the cup, but take a small bit of it into their mouth while they drink. Shallow dishes, such as the one seen in the portrait Susanna Truax, and hemispherical bowls, were used as containers for sugar. 
often called sugar dishes or just sugars they were available in delftware glass and silver as well as in blue and white burnt enameled and penciled china some containers were sold with covers and it has been suggested that the saucer-shaped cover of the hemispherical sugar bowl or dish fashionable in the first half of the eighteenth century also served as a spoon tray however in the painting tea party at the time of george i the cover is leaning against the bowl and the spoons are in an oval spoon tray or boat another possibility if the lid was multi-purpose is that it was used as a dish or stand under the teapot to protect the table-top silver sugar boxes basins and plated sugar baskets were other forms used to hold sugar which in whatever container was a commodity important to the americans as moreau de saint marie noted they use great quantities in their tea containers for cream or milk may be seen in many of the eighteenth-century tea-time pictures and are found in the advertisements of the period under a variety of names there were cream pots of glass and pewter and silver jugs of penciled and burnt china and in the seventeen seventies one could obtain enameled and plain three-footed cream jugs from mr henry william steagall's glass factory at mannheim pennsylvania there were cream pails urns and ewers of silver plate and plated cream basins gilt inside milk pots used on some tea tables instead of cream containers were available in silver pewter ceramic and sprigged cut and moulded glass although contemporary diarists and observers of american customs seem not to have noticed whether cream was served cold and milk hot or if tea-drinkers were given a choice between cream and milk the prince de broglie's comment already cited concerning his ability to drink excellent tea with even better cream and the predominance of cream over milk containers in eighteenth-century advertisements would seem to indicate that in this country cream rather than milk was served with tea in the afternoon while the americans as the europeans added cream or milk and sugar to their tea the use of lemon with the beverage is questionable nowhere is there any indication that the citrus fruit was served or used with tea in eighteenth-century america punch seems to have been the drink with which lemons were associated often a medium-sized bowl usually hemispherical in shape is to be seen on the tea-table and it is most likely a slop bowl or basin according to advertisements these bowls and basins were available in silver pewter and ceramic before a teacup was replenished the remaining tea and dregs were emptied into the slop bowl then the cup might be rinsed with hot water and the rinsing water discarded in the bowl the slop basin may also have been the receptacle for the moat or foreign particles then inherent in tea but now extracted by mechanical means that had to be skimmed off the beverage in the cup in england this was probably done with a small utensil known to present-day collectors as a moat spoon or moat skimmer although the exact purpose of these spoons remains unsettled it seems likely that they were used with tea it has been suggested that the perforated bowl of the spoon was used for skimming foreign particles off the tea in the cup and the tapering spike-like stem to clear the clogged-up strainer of the teapot spout 
the almost complete absence of american-made moat spoons suggests that these particular utensils were seldom used here possibly the skimmer advertised in seventeen twenty seven with other silver tea pieces was such a spoon no doubt tea strainers were also used to ensure clear tea the tea dregs might then be discarded in the slop bowl or left in the strainer and the strainer rested on the bowl however only a few contemporary american advertisements and inventories have been found which mention tea strainers punch strainers though generally larger in size seem to have doubled as tea strainers in some households the seventeen fifty seven inventory of charles brockwell of boston includes a punch strainer which is listed not with the wine glasses and other pieces associated with punch but with the tea items one small dough a china milk pot one teapot six cups and three saucers and one punch strainer presumably the strainer had just been used for tea the teapot was of course the very centre of the social custom of drinking tea so it usually was found in the centre of the tray or table at first only teapots of oriental origin imported with the cargoes of tea were available for the teapot had been unknown to europeans before the introduction of the beverage however as tea gained acceptance as a social drink and the demand for equipage increased local craftsmen were stimulated to produce wares that could compete with the chinese imports teapots based on chinese models and often decorated with chinese motifs were fashioned in ceramic and silver no doubt many an eighteenth-century hostess desired a silver teapot to grace her table and add an elegant air to the tea ceremony a lottery offering one must have raised many a hope especially if as an advertisement of seventeen twenty seven announced the highest prize consists of an eight square teapot as well as six teaspoons skimmer and tongs by the end of the century an elegant silver teapot with ornamental lid resembling a pineapple would have been the wish of a fashion-conscious hostess less expensive than silver but just as stylish according to the merchant's advertisements were newest fashion teapots of pewter or in the late eighteenth century britannia metal teapots the latest mode in ceramic ware also was to be found upon the tea-table in the mid-eighteenth century it was english brown china teapots of sorts with a raised flower probably the ceramic with a deep rich brown glaze known to-day as jackfield type ware black green and tortoise a pottery glazed with variegated colors in imitation of tortoise shell and enameled stone teapots at the time of the american revolution teaware imports included egyptian etruscan embossed red china agate green black cauliflower white and blue and white stone enameled striped fluted pierced and plain queensware teapots sometimes the teapot whether ceramic pewter or silver was placed upon a dish or small tile-like stand with feet these teapot stands served as insulation by protecting the surface of the table or tray from the damaging heat of the teapot stands often were included in tea sets but also were sold individually such as the penciled china teapot stands advertised in seventeen seventy five 
and the teapot stands of best London plated ware, imported in 1797. The stands must have been especially useful when silver equipage was set on a bare tabletop. Many of the silver teapots of elliptical shape with a flat base, so popular in the latter part of the 18th century, had matching stands raised on short legs to protect the table from the expanse of hot metal. On occasion, the teapot was placed on a spirit lamp or burner to keep the beverage warm. In most instances, it was the hot water kettle that sat upon a spirit lamp or burner rather than a teapot. Kettles were usually related to the form of contemporary teapots, but differed in having a swing handle on top and a large, rather flat base that could be placed over the flame. Advertisements mention tea kettles of copper, pewter, brass, and silver, some with lamps and stands. The actual making of tea was part of the ceremony and was usually done by the hostess at the tea table. This necessitated a ready supply of boiling water close at hand to properly infuse the tea, and, as Ferdinand Bayard reported, it also weakens the tea or serves to clean up the cups. Thus the kettle and burner on their own individual table or stand were placed within easy reach of the tea table. According to 18th century pictures, the kettle was an important part of the tea setting, but it seldom appeared on the tea table. Special stands for kettles generally were made in the same form as the tea tables, though smaller in scale. The square stands often had a slide on which to place the teapot when the hot water was poured into it. Both pictures and advertisements reveal that by the 1770s the tea urn was a new form appearing at tea time in place of the hot water kettle. Contrary to its name, the tea urn seldom held tea. These large silver or silver-plated vessels, some of which looked like vases with domed covers, usually had two handles on the shoulders and a spout with a tap in the front near the bottom. Pontypool, Japaned, Crimson, and gold-striped Roman tea urns, imported from Europe, were among the fashionable teawares advertised at the end of the 18th century. The urn might be placed on a stand of its own near the table or on the tray or table in the midst of the other equipage, as it is in the painting titled The Honeymoon. Wherever placed, it signified the newest mode in tea-time furnishings. One Baltimorean, O. H. Williams, in a letter dated April 12, 1786, to a close friend, enthusiastically explained that tea and coffee urns plated, mine are partially plated and are extremely neat, are the genteelest things of the sort used now at any house and tables inferior to the first fortunes. The tea canister, a storage container for the dry tea leaves, was yet another piece of equipment to be found on the table or tray. Ceramic canisters of blue and white and red and gold could be purchased to match other tea furnishings of the same ware, and silver tea canisters often were fashioned to harmonize with the silver teapots of the period. Individual canisters were produced, as well as canisters in sets of two or three. A set of canisters usually was kept in the box in which it came, a case known as a tea chest or tea caddy, such as the elegant assortment of tea caddies with one, two, and three canisters, advertised in 1796. Canister tops, if dome-shaped, were used to measure out the tea and transfer it to the teapot. 
otherwise small short-handled spoons with broad shallow bowls known as caddy spoons and caddy labels were used however handled the tea could have been any one of the numerous kinds available in the eighteenth century although hyson suhong and congo the names inscribed on the canister in figure twenty two may have been favored there were many other types of tea as the following advertisement from the boston newsletter of september sixteenth seventeen thirty six indicates to be sold at the three sugar loaves and canister very choice teas viz bohea tea from twenty two shillings to twenty eight shillings per pound conju tea thirty four shillings pico tea fifty shillings per pound green tea from twenty shillings to thirty shillings per pound fine imperial tea from forty shillings to sixty shillings per pound in the eighteenth century tea-drinking was an established social custom with a recognized etiquette and distinctive equipage as we know from the pictures and writings of the period at tea-time men and women gathered to pursue leisurely conversations and enjoy the sociability of the home a study of an english family at tea will summarize the etiquette and equipage of the ritual on the floor near the table is a caddy with the top open showing one canister of a pair the mistress of the house seated at the tea-table is measuring out dry tea-leaves from the other canisters into its lid members of the family stand or sit around the square tea-table while they observe this first step in the ceremony a maid-servant stands ready with a hot-water kettle to pour the boiling water over the leaves once they are in the teapot in the background is the tripod kettle stand with a lamp where the kettle will be placed until needed to rinse the cups or dilute the tea not seen in this detail of the painting is the entry of a male servant who is carrying a tall silver pot which may have contained chocolate or coffee these two other social beverages of the eighteenth century were served in cups of a deep cylindrical shape like the three seen on the end of the table the shallow bowl-shaped handleless teacups and the saucers are arranged in a neat row along one side of the table the teapot rests on a square tile-like stand or dish that protects the table from the heat nearby is a bowl to receive tea dregs a pot for cream or milk and a sugar bowl the tea-time ritual has begun end of part three End of Tea Drinking in the Eighteenth Century by Rodris Roth